I'm Carson Block, and this is Freddie Brick with Zeros TV. Welcome to our inaugural podcast of Zero Fucks Given, a show about everything, anything, and probably mostly nothing. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to our corporate sponsor, Smash and Grab Beer. Um, actually, it's produced by Legal Draft. Now, as you evaluate the probity of what I just said, understand that much of what we'll be saying on this show and in future shows is actually purely sarcastic. So if you're reading a transcript, uh, that's probably going to, you're probably going to think this is a lot worse and more damning than it actually is. Um, in any event, thank you for joining and let's get started. What should we talk about? You know, the thing about this show that really concerned me is that you know, it's supposed to be personality driven. We don't have a whole lot to talk about. But the first thing that really struck me about this is actually how tall I look sitting down on video. I was super concerned that it was in fact my torso that had always been kind of constrained. But it turns out I actually just have little legs. So uh, that's been a huge relief. And I guess what I know was concerning you most of all is how close you have to sit next to me because we're only like, I don't know, about a year and a half out of COVID now. And this might be the first time you've been in a constrained environment, sat this close to my scent trails, which are just wafting into your face. Well, yeah, look, I mean, a couple of things. You know, you can also thank the three Yellow Pages phone books that you're sitting on. So there is still a use for these in America, number one. Number two, yeah. I mean, a millennial with like very little body fat, you know, kind of like scares me in this environment because I'm not a millennial and um, I have slightly more body fat than you do. So, um, yeah, I, I guess a little bit of a different risk tolerance vis-a-vis -vis COVID. So don't fucking get me sick, man. Seriously. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see you out and about. Um, look, this has been a strange week. You know, usually these kind of environments, I, I think one of the things I really dislike about the environment where all stocks go down and it's, it's macro driven is people think like we're doing really well and it's just awesome. And we're like high-fiving in the office. And it doesn't matter how many times I tell people we're focused on alpha generation, they don't get it. So not only is it not like a high-fiving week, but actually no one seems to really care what short sellers do when the alternative is like global war, nuclear war, mass destruction, Vladimir Putin. So actually it's one of these like bizarre weeks where we like everyone just spend time watching the tape, kind of working on our own little stuff. And, uh, you know, not really focused on like a whole lot of like activist short selling. Well, I mean, one of the misconceptions that I think people have is it's it's along those lines. But yeah, we're I mean, for short sellers, like it's always a bad time, right? Mm -hmm. Like market goes up. It sucks. Market goes down like, oh, shit. You know, we don't have enough risk on like it's a bad time. Market sideways. There's not enough volatility. So I think that that's there's for us, there's partly this function of the glass is always half empty and that's why we do what we do. Um, I mean, when's the last time we fucking high-fived over anything? Like even pre-COVID. France turning out to be way cooler than we thought. Uh, yeah, 29, December 2019, 
France on the back end of, you know, four and a half year, $1.6 million out of pocket investigation, um, exonerating us and deciding that they're not going to take any action. Um, uh, after our reporting on casino and rally the same week that they actually tagged, I think Bloomberg news, 5 million Euro for reporting, re-reporting somebody else's falsified press release. So, um, that was that was a big touchdown dance moment. That's true, and that was a few days after NMC. I think maybe even the same day we yeah, published on NMC. Been, yeah, we should find out what that day is and, and celebrate it, like memorialize it. I mean, you know, it's our our version of Bastille Day. <laughs> See, that was that was pretty much the last good day. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but okay, yeah. So, like, on to current topics that are not so esoteric to us and two of the six people that are going to watch this. Um, I mean, look, obviously a ton going on in markets. Um, and one of the, before this invasion even started, it, it was clear that we're entering into a new paradigm, right? So starting in March, 2009, there's been this paradigm of um, massive on monetary easing that's just propelled everything, you know, straight up into the right. And, you know, look, that's obviously with the central banks having to raise rates um, and, you know, communicating that, Things starting in Q4 of last year got got kind of choppy and got different. And it wasn't clear to me, you know, what I mean, well, I guess it's never clear to me, you know, well in advance. But, you know, it was hard to say what the new paradigm is going to be. Is this going to be bad for shit codes or how bad for shit codes or is it temporarily temporary lull for shit codes? Um, but then you layer on top the invasion and the reaction to the invasion. And, you know, to me. I think this is more significant in terms of markets, or at least the way we look at markets, than a lot of people get, because the the response of the world has been absolutely shocking, right? Like what Putin and obviously China have been betting on is that we in the West are too corrupted, that you know we're too wrapped up in whether Nike can sell more sneakers or you know Apple can sell more iPhones or Steve Schwartzman can you know make more money from deals. To actually take a moral stand um, when you know when the situation merits, and here what we saw, I mean, with near unanimity in the West and almost instantaneously, is Western liberal democracies saying, "This is the wrong thing. Fuck you. We're willing to experience some pain here. We're actually willing to take haircuts on you know uh, in business uh, for the sake of doing the right thing." and you know, look, it's it's really premature to assume that this lasts. Um, I mean, since this was a complete shock, I think, you know, certainly to me that we would actually act with this much moral clarity and backbone. Um, we do have to question whether it lasts. But um, if it does, you know, I, I have to think that this changes the environment. This changes the policy environment, for one. Um, but it you know, and, and ironically, I think this this could change in terms of the investing environment. This could be bad for ESG because ESG was like the perfect symptom of what I was talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Where ESG is the analog to what Putin and she thought was going to result from this invasion, which is, you know, like empty statements and, you know, bullshit sanctions that aren't really going to hurt anybody. That's ESG. But if we're in a world where we say, no, we actually care about substance, we care about the end result, and we're willing to take some pain, this could be 
really bad for existing, you know, ESG plays. And, you know, which I would argue, and I'd probably, you know, Tarek Fancy also would argue, would be better for the fate of our planet long term. So that's all very well and good. I'm not a macro genius, so I'm not going to disagree. The question I have is, what would Kathy Wood say? And that is not a hollow question, because actually, despite the amount of time you spend reading, you had one very, very important task in the past couple of weeks, and you failed. You were going to a conference where Kathy Wood was going to be present. And there were like one of two things I was really asking. Can you get a picture? ideally with one of our HR Archegos branded hoodies? Or can you get her to sign something, which I latterly decided a Bible would have been the most appropriate prop? And you failed. But you did get to ask her what I thought was a pretty neat question. Okay, so this is all true. I did go to this fantastic event last week. I didn't realize Kathy Wood would be there. So when I showed up for the, uh, the dinner the first night, I was wearing the Arch Ego's uh, Thou Shalt Not Delever hoodie that we, um, that we had made. Um, and I did not, she was there Wednesday night, during the day, Thursday and Thursday night. Um, I did not get a chance to get her one-on-one -on -one and get a picture with her. Um, I was hoping to do that Friday. And when I looked, you know, Wednesday and Thursday in the evening, she was, you know, kind of surrounded by people and probably wasn't the best time to go in there. But um, I did ask a question, but the content of this is off the record of this event. So I can't discuss the question or the answer. Um, but um, in any case, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't savage her. I think when I was called upon, it sounded like a lot of people in the room were holding their breath. At least that's the feedback I got afterward. Feedback I got afterward also was, well, you know, like, congratulations for being so restrained, like, you know, for not being a complete embarrassment and asshole. So I guess that's, uh, that's kind of what the world thinks of, you know, if not us, at least me at, at this stage <laughs> in time. But um, look, I think it's cool that she was out there engaging, um, you know, with this crowd. And yeah, I, I wanted the picture at the very least. To me, the real like 16 candles equivalent of, you know, Molly Ringwald's panties would have been getting her to autograph a one year stock chart of, of ARC. But um, that would have been awesome. Yes. Actually. Uh, well, speaking of which, like, you know, a bit of a shout out to Kiyubiku, who realized that Ark, I think, has the same as a five month return as the Ruble. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, there's, there's obviously some uh, overfitting of that, but it it is awesome. Like, I, I got to say, that's I don't have a Twitter handle, but. There are some people out there who are, are really, really good at finding these things. And I, I've often wondered, the people who are really bright, who have these great Twitter accounts, like, I mean, I don't have a Twitter account. And we, you know, struggle to find enough time in the day to do what we're doing. Like, how do these people spend that much time putting up awesome numbers and then equally spending enough time finding these, like, cool, esoteric, funny things? I think it's a real talent. Yeah, look, unquestionably. Well, okay, it is, I guess. It's my opinion. Kubiku is the funniest fucker in all of FinTwit. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And I, look, I don't know what his numbers are, um, but, you know, I'm, it seems to be quite bright. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really should be him up here. 
<laughs> if he would if he would drop the anonymity and and come forth. Um, That's true. Okay, so this is uh, our first uh, public invite to KVQ. If you if you want to come and come on the show, and you know, look, if like you, both your you know mother and grandma are watching this, we could really add to our audience. So uh, that that would uh, that'd be awesome. Well, and we do have the technology to maintain the pseudonymity, right? That's true. So Freddie, a few years ago, developed this for uh, one of our analysts who's from China. And mm -hmm. uh, you, when we were filming one of the videos, I think on Tao Education this in the true. office, you brought in the, uh, the, pla uh, the paper shopping bag. The paper bag, shopping bag, right. which I obviously recycle. Right. Uh, yeah. So doing my little bit for everyone there. Yeah. I mean, you know, but you could have used the like the that vinyl, you know, bag that you're, you know, but Hard, harder to breathe. Well, you cut out holes, I, right? I, I know from experience. Don't ask. <laughs> okay. So so anyway, we have we have the technology. Kubiku. Right. So for yeah. anyone who does want to come on, that's both funny and wishes to remain anonymous, we got you covered. Um, yeah, other news this week that uh, that I, I think was interesting. Um, I love that Shell had to give the $20 million of trading profit they made away to charity, which probably distracts from all the other profits they made this week. I think that's just so awesome. They like made this big song and dance of like, we really had to buy this cargo and we're like so sorry for doing it and no one's going to notice that we've got these bumper profits and then in the meantime like i think elizabeth warren and a bunch of people in europe are out there being like we must tax windfall profits on all commodities it's just so funny like they can't decide how they want it like do they actually want to attract capital to any of these industries do they not want to attract capital do they want them to run off their businesses and turn them all into wind farms. It like kind of depends each week, like what it is they actually want any of these poor CEOs to do. Well, I mean, look, this also speaks to a, a problem with politicians, including Elizabeth Warren. I mean, by most accounts, I mean, she should be pretty bright. Like mm -hmm. she was a Harvard law professor and notwithstanding the fact that they let Soren and all graduate from Harvard law, um, you know, that was, uh, I, I think that was like positive discrimination for gingers. That's true. I mean, Soren, yeah, Elizabeth Warren, I guess, got in because the whole Native American thing. Right. And we should check to see whether Soren checked the, you know, like minority ginger Look, box. There. I got to tell you, it's an underrepresented minority in finance. And Soren and I have discussed this and uh, he agrees. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, look, South, there, there's a reason why it's been a like recurring theme in South Park that gingers have no souls, um, you know, which I'm surprised, you know, like those of us in short selling, like are not all gingers. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, the um, so look, it's been clear for several years, at least that Elizabeth Warren and other people in Congress, both sides will make very, they'll make bombastic statements about what's going on in the markets and how various participants are are wronging everybody, and they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Um, I mean, my favorite example with Elizabeth Warren, just because you know, I like you do too. Like we know the guy was when she when she savaged Whitney Tilson, um, you know, who was it was really a, unfair. yeah, like a, a fan. I think it was over charter schools. Like you know, Whitney is a supporter of charter schools and. She called him hedge fund billionaire Whitney Tilson. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like, 
you know, we, like nobody's going to cry for Whitney, you know, financially, but like he's the yeah. brokest fucking billionaire I ever met. Like, I mean, that's, you know, so th- that was just, so by that point in time, like it, or that made clear that she'll open her mouth and say shit for the sake of politics and what she thinks yeah. is good politics. And look, I guess that's nothing new, but you know, that also brings up something else, um, you know, that I saw at the conference and there was a, there was a candidate, um, a Republican candidate for a federal, uh, for federal office who spoke. And so this is, again, it's off the record. It's a non-political event. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're like in this setting, be hoping for, you know, not the usual canned bullshit campaign lines and things like that. And look, later in the, you know, in this, in this person's uh, talk, I mean, he lamented how attention spans are so short. So you, you know, you can't be honest and say what you think, but this was after, you know, and let me back up for a second, right? Like, I, I don't know if I told you about this because look, you and I, and like, you know, Krista down there and everybody in our firm, like, who, you know, at least who understands what's going on, like, you know, or just lament the whole wokeness thing. Okay. Like it's, it's, I think it is, I think identity politics are highly corrosive to our society. So I never, ever, ever thought that I would defend wokeness until I saw this fucking guy speak. Mm -hmm. And again, this isn't a campaign rally. And he's up there saying that uh, he literally said that wokeness is a bigger danger to the U S than Russia. And he talked about how we need to make America, uh, so we, we, we need to make it so that middle-class families can afford to you know, support their children on one income. But he blamed, like literally blamed pretty much every single societal ill we have on fucking wokeness. And it's just, I mean, it was so disappointing. Again, in this setting, like I get that's going to be, you know, part of the 2022 Republican thing, but Jesus fucking Christ. Like, this is a very smart person, I believe, highly accomplished professionally. You really believe that? I mean, going in, I thought so, right? Like, I mean, based on the person. still believe that? Come on. I guess we have to, we have to say that they're, well, look, they're, to be fair, and this is something I've long believed, there are different ways of defining intelligence. Like, Mm -hmm. you can look at central bankers like Alan Greenspan, you know, I mean, Bernanke, Powell, um, you know, um, uh, you know, Janet Yellen. And these are genuinely smart people. Like, I mean, it, if you can measure processing power. And it turns out some are pretty awesome traders as well. <laughs> well, not the chair, not the chair people. No, it's like, yeah, you know, true. it's like, well, they're like the portfolio managers, right? They delegate all the hard work to the, you know, to the analysts and the people running right. the book. Um, Present company included. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, I signed the checks, man. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, so, you know, they're very smart people in terms of like processing power, but they can be, they, but I mean, they can be so narrow minded mm-hmm. and miss what, you know, to a lot of people has been the completely obvious. So we can, we can say that there are, you know, that there are different ways of, you know, of considering whether one's intelligent, but I mean, in terms of somebody who's thoughtful, I mean, just based on their CV, right? Like, I, I don't know him personally, but um, just so fucking disappointing, you know, just so disappointing to see more of the same because like to me, the, you know, the moment you start accusing other Americans 
you know, Brits, whatever, uh, of being the enemy. I, like, I do have a green card. I'm, uh, we're all good here. <laughs> for the moment. Just, just in case for the moment, listening. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the moment you start accusing your political opponents of being the enemy and saying that they're worse than the actual enemy, I mean, fuck you, man. Like you've, you've lost the page, entirely lost the page. So, um, it's, you know, I really hope that now that we see what a real enemy is capable of, you know, Russia and the horrible things they're doing, like, I really hope this brings us back to the 1980s, makes America fucking great again when we knew who our fucking enemies were and we treated them as such. You know, I wasn't around in America in the 1980s or, or the early part anywhere, but um, yeah, it makes me think actually I'm... Uh... Along that theme, I'm actually in the uh, running to try and get my own uh, ICBM this week. I, uh, I met someone recently. He, um, his mother grew up on a farm, so his dad ended up buying a horse farm, and it just came up in conversation that he has a missile silo. And I was like, ah, oh, did you ever like go down there as a kid? And he's like, well, like you got to be careful with these things because they fill up with water and people get electrocuted. So. Um, and we don't know the actual size of the missile, but uh, my, my new project is to get my own ICBM because, look, we're sitting here in Austin and a lot of people have guns and a lot of people have a lot of guns and I don't have a gun. And look, not only am I feeling left out, although I have gone and told my neighbors, like, look, if anything goes down, I'm going to call you will be asleep in the high-vis vests, so please don't shoot us, but I know you are itching to use your guns, so, like, come in and knock yourself out. But I kind of think it sends a message to anyone, like, you know, we'll just put a little sign in the window, like, ICBM in the back, and they know we're not to be fucked with. So uh, All right. that's, that's been my project of the week. Well, two thoughts here. So number one, you know, again, we're, we're in Texas. I mean, maybe not so much in Austin, but... If you go trick or treating next Halloween, somebody will probably throw a gun in your in your sack. You know, it's like or at a, least, at least you know ammo. Halloween thing. At least some ammo. I'm yeah, cool. at least at least some ammo. points. Well, you, I mean, yeah, but there's more to it than that. Like okay. you know, it's a millimeter caliber. Like you know, you probably no idea about guns. I, I don't know. So you, you probably need the gun. So they need the gun. Give you the gun and the ammo. So like you could probably get that while trick or treating. At least in you know seventy five percent of Texas. Um, but the second thought that I had is, you know, I, I'm not sure whether that you acquiring an ICBM um, and certainly posing with it would be a good sign or a bad sign. Because I, you know, if there there are some insane and jealous failed former short sellers who, you know, kind of ride around on like, you know, revolutionary war cannons, you know, threatening to blow their nutsacks off. And so I don't know if you having an ICBM is just like, a more, you know, insane and jealous failure, you know, failed version of that, or if it's like, this is how you actually stay in business and be successful. So I I don't, I don't know what to make of that, like directionally. You know, it's a good question. And then look, obviously up here, I look one about six, two and a half. It's it's a a scale thing. It's a fucking yellow pages, dude. It's a scale thing. You know, because someone actually said to me like, oh, you're moving to Austin. Like, what are you going to drive? I'm like, well, I don't have a license. I'm thinking of getting a horse. And then it occurred to me, I'm going to look pretty small on a big horse. However. Get a miniature pony. Right. You get yourself a pony. You sit up. You kind of like set it back. Everyone's going to be like, oh, Freddie's really working out there. And little do they know, it's a miniature pony. 
Right. Well, that's like what they, you know, like Hollywood trick. I learned this when I went on those Universal Studios tours as a kid where they would often in the Westerns, like make men walk through these shorter door frames and women walk through these taller door frames. Hmm. Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why nobody is, you know, like laughed about Tom Cruise kicking somebody's ass in a movie because they're so good at like, you know, making you think that he's not abnormally short or anything like Wait, that. What's abnormally short? Can we, uh, can we cross that off? Well, my wife's 4'11", so I'm going to say below 4'11". <laughs> is Tom Cruise below 4'11"? <laughs> If you I want, if I if I want to believe he is, sure. If we got that on the right queue on like forum, it. I think that could be a thing. Is Tom Cruise four eleven? Speaking of which, there's a guy I really would like to speak to the uh, the Arbirds real guy. I think yes. that's awesome. I, I kind of got clued onto that a couple weeks ago. I think that's an awesome device. Uh, you, you know more about it than me. I think you heard some of the podcasts, but my understanding is he was like an undergrad who like maybe turned up at a cute on event or something and just kind of off the top of his head was like, you know, someone was like talking about frazzle drip or whatever. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know this thing, like, you know, birds aren't real and uh, just kind of riffed it from there, um, which I think is really awesome. And they had him on like Howard Stern the other week. And uh, I think like there's a real movement out there that people think birds are not real. Right. And well, they're the people who are in on it. And then the people, you know, who are not in on it, who right. are the voters, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Brits, too. Like, you guys are not you, you sound smarter, but in reality, you're not. This is true. This you is know, true. I mean, it's like, I'm glad you're married because you're not out there like, you know, weaponizing that British accent against American women. And like, you know, that's there's just, you know, fucking with American men who just, you know, can't do a good British accent to impress with faux IQ points. Especially Southerners. Uh, should I have said that in a state where everyone else is carrying a gun? No offense. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have, but you know, <laughs> like this is as close as I'm going to get to for a little while as, <laughs> as a result of that. Um, but, you know, speaking of, I, I, I often do think of QAnon yeah. in, in what we do because um, I'm out there, you know, on Twitter and, you know, and it's just, it's amazing since retail has really gotten into the markets in, in 2020. Well, it's amazing, you know, especially since they've started to lose their asses and, mm -hmm. you know, stupid shit like AMC, which we have no position in AMC. We've never had any position in AMC yet. Constantly getting tagged by like the FinTwit versions of the QAnon fucking shaman, you know, as they like lament what's going on with AMC and, you know, talk about how, like, you know, like Muddy Waters and others are colluding with short ladders. And, you know, like, it's just absolutely fucking crazy. And it's, I mean, look, it's not the only corner of life, of course, where this is happening. And, you know, it's politics and, you know, Frazzle Drip illustrates that. But, you know, it's like there's this, maybe you don't know, okay? You're, you're sitting out there. You don't know what a short seller does. You don't know that, you know, like... I don't think there are any ladders in the office and, and shit like that, um, except for the one that you need to sit on. And um, the, which is to be fair, not a tall ladder, not, not that ladder. short. Um, but um, you know, so maybe maybe you have questions about how stuff works. Um, but this idea, it's almost like a wholesale rejection of Occam's razor, mm -hmm. right? Where you know Occam's razor. You know, in the absence of an explanation, these the simpler in the absence of knowledge, this and you've got competing explanations, 
the simplest answer is the best. And it's like, okay, simple answer is people who were long the stock are selling it. The more complex answer that people seem to like, I can't even describe and I don't even understand. And like, I don't even, you know, like some of these words aren't even in my vocabulary. Um, and it's just, it, it, I think it really is a, it really is just a symptom of the time or sign of the times that people in the financial markets will seize onto these completely incoherent narratives. Like, I, I don't even know that you can call it a narrative when it, like it's, you know, runs in circles and contradicts itself internally, but that they'll seize upon that rather than, no, man, like everybody's been saying, like everybody on the short side has been saying that this thing is fucked. The company's issued stock. Insiders have been dumping into your dumb hands. Maybe it's just that it's a piece of shit and it's finally coming back to earth. And it's not like this grand conspiracy to like, you know, thwart the Moas with like the mother of, you know, ICBMs, you know, and like against a fucking, you know, revolutionary war nut shooting cannon. The whole theme of cinema i mean look i go every few years to watch james bond because like deep in the recesses of my mind i feel like it's autobiograph autobiographical which it's not sadly you, you are you are going to get that old aston martin right this yeah, is true yeah it's not it's aspirational it's not you know autobiographical I, I actually asked my wife <laughs> we're driving in an aston martin the other week i was like does this make you uh, feel like a Bond girl? She's like, nah. So, so let me ask you, were you, you know, I think there are some activist short sellers out there who like go and just like test drive a car that they actually probably can't afford. And then they take pictures of, of it and tweet about it. Like, was, was that you? Were you just <laughs> taking it for a test drive? It was not for a test drive. No pictures exist. It's, I wasn't outside the dealership. Um <laughs> No comment. Um, but um, yeah, the cinema, it's funny. Uh, yeah, it's someone we work with a little bit actually just messaged me last night just being like, yeah, I was watching the Batman film, the new one. It's three hours. I recommend you wait for it to come out on DVD so you can wait. pause it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, huh, you know, it's really occurred to me that like, you know, at least my generation we just have like the shortest attention spans. Like even watching a three-hour movie now, it's just too much for us. Well, I mean, I to me, I interpret it, that as it actually sucks, and like, sucks. and you pause it to resume it just because you don't want to feel that you wasted those hour, that hour and forty-five minutes of your life by not at least getting to the end, which will hopefully sure offer much, some redemption. Well, if you're much, much, much older, gentleman. And you have a weak ladder, I guess that's a, that's a legitimate thing. But yeah, speaking of which, it, it does remind me of like when we once were in uh, Thailand. Like it was a really cool experience. Not wait, 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 oh, wait, 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 two things i was going to talk about how we went to the cinema and they actually have a whole thing for the king like they play no, I, national anthem, you, you saw that really shit cool. too yes it's not cool i mean but it was like very this cool. is how they brainwash everybody very yeah, cool okay but we should talk about shane Warne. okay one of the greatest australian cricketing legends again a game you don't care for much the way i feel about baseball however 
This is a man. Over three hours. Matt, like, talk about being able to hit a fucking pause button. So, like, I mean, these games you were telling you going on like five days. I mean, come on. Like, the nuance is lost on you. However, this is a man. Is lost on you. This is a man who was known as uh, quite the womanizer, who once dated like Liz Hurley, who had somewhere between two and four masseuses at the villa hours before he unceremoniously passed and they're blaming the fucking water diet that he did for like two weeks i mean that's as bad as like this peloton thing where you know mr big dies on sex in the city and they're like oh peloton stop crashing i mean daily mail or whoever it was that reported that you know what you were saying well Gee, Freddie, I always assumed that cricketers needed to be in tip-top shape to play that <laughs> shit. I'm shocked if you're, you're right. inferring that this... You know what? They, they are more athletic than Booney. So I don't know if you know about Booney. Booney was a guy who on a... I think it was Australia to maybe the UK flight, which I want to say is like 22 hours, down 52 cans of beer, and then did a press conference and had a couple drinks after. I think he holds the record on a transatlantic flight. Okay, so like I got a, I got a one up, right? My generation. Um, I mean, he's older than I am, but you know, my generation was alive when this happened. Um, guy who used to be uh, a like he was a very senior guy at Trust Company of the West, mm -hmm. TCW. Um, I think he ran their EM book. So you know, like I mean, back in the early '90s. He was pulling down like probably well into seven figs, which, you know, it's like, you know, real money. Um, so this dude was returning from Buenos Aires uh, to the U.S. on a flight. And um, he was so drunk that um, he, well, he ended up getting arrested when the plane landed because he wasn't allowed to use the bathroom. because like the president of Argentina was on the plane and his bodyguards wouldn't let him use this one bathroom. And so he and they had stopped serving him alcohol and he became belligerent. He went into the galley, took a shit on the galley cart, per the article, like wiped himself with the linen napkins, and then proceeded to traipse feces throughout the cabin. Now, I would never have remembered the name Gerard Finnerin, you know, for any, you know, other than this. And like I just it's been a long time. I mean, shit, man, it's been probably about 30 years. This could you know almost be the 30th anniversary. So I just, I don't want him to be overshadowed by that guy you're talking about because, okay. you know, for financial professionals, I think Gerard Finnerin is the, you know, he's the standard bearer for bad drunken conduct on a plane. I got to ask, do you think he ranks higher than his highness, Sage Kelly? Oh, well, I, I don't know about Sage on a plane. That's... <laughs> Sage, Dude, that's a great name for a film. Sage on a plane instead of snakes on a plane. Anyone out there watching who's in the movie funding business, we we're serious about funding Sage on a plane. And you know, it wouldn't be inept if the subtitle were "Snakes on a Plane" as well when Sage is on a plane. <laughs> Look it up. It's it's also it's also just legendary. Um. Look, man, I think that, you know, covers all of the market moving um, news that, that we have. So, um, yeah, yeah. Congratulations cool. on finishing the first 
Um, and uh, zero fucks given podcast. And, zero uh, fucks given, and, and uh, yeah, smash and grab, smash and grab. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.